Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. My guest today is Rafael Barlow of NBADraftJunkies.com and host of Locked On, the NBA Draft. We're talking top international prospects in the 2022 NBA Draft. Our episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Rafael, let's go. All right, I'm Chad Ford. I'm with Rafael Barlow of NBADraftJunkies.com, host of Locked On, the NBA Draft as well. Rafael, Rafael and I spent a lot of time together at the 2021 NBA Draft. It's time to talk some 2022 NBA Draft. What do you think, Rafael? Yeah, man, I'm thinking, was that the last time we, we did a podcast when we were up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, it seems, finishing oh, out did. the... We did some summer league grades as well. That's right. Uh, that's right. Af- afterwards, but uh, yeah, everything's been really focused on the 2021 draft between us, and I think now with the college basketball season getting ready to start pretty soon, the international season has already begun. It's time to start talking some 2022 NBA draft, and I want to start right at the top because unlike the last couple of years. It seems like this one is wide open uh, at the top. There's several top college freshmen uh, that are going to be, you know, considered Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. Uh, Paolo Banchero, uh, who's going to be playing for Duke this year, seemed to be, uh, in a lot of people's minds, heavy favorites to be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, You've got Jaden Hardy, uh, who's going to be playing in the G League this year, that might be the top guard. Uh, prospect uh, in the 2022 uh, NBA draft. You have uh, uh, Jalen Duran, uh, who reclassified and is going to Memphis this year, who could potentially be a number one pick in the draft. And then there's Yannick Nosa, uh, or Yannick Zosa, right? Uh, who's playing over in Spain right now, originally from the Congo, who probably has the most accomplished resume of anyone because he's already playing at a high level over in Spain and was doing so last year as a 17-year-old and actually we got minutes as a 16-year-old. And so it, it feels wide open to me. I've, I've been talking to NBA scouts, GMs. They felt very uncomfortable right now ranking guys because last season, as far as scouting goes for them, was a tough season. And it was difficult to get their handle on, especially the high school players that are now college freshmen and just the sort of disrupted schedule that was there for them. So I'm really curious here, Raphael, as we look at the top of the draft. I know you're an international prospect guru, so you might be as familiar with Yannick as, as, as anybody right now. How does he stack up against some of these top American prospects that right now I think in, in the public's minds are favorites, but I'm not really sure in the NBA scouts' minds that they are, does does Zosa have a shot at being the number one pick in this year's draft, in your opinion? Nah, I think I would lean towards Holmgren. But I think with Sosa, because he's only been playing for five years and there's still like a rawness to his game, and I think some are going to look at his upside and, and really consider him. But I think for him, he's a, it's, it's interesting because he's going to be playing with Michael Eric, who I think Michael Eric could end up being the, the starter. For, for his team and I mean 
a lot of, I mean, diehard fans may know Michael Eric, but he's had a couple of T in the NBA, played in the G League. He's had a pretty good career overseas. And uh, I, I and I asked Michael because I, I happen to know him from my days with the Texas Legends. Were they going to play a lot of minutes together? And he said he he really didn't know. So I think that could be a factor in the sense because Chet, we know Chet is going to start. We know Banchero is going to start, and we know that they're going to be heavily featured. While I I don't know if that's the case with Sosa. I mean, it's still early to determine that, but. I, he doesn't have the clear path to getting 30 minutes per game. Well, let's, let's talk about his game for a minute and then let's do a thought exercise as we take any of those other American players and take them over to Spain right now and ask the question, would they be getting any more minutes uh, than Zosa right now, given what we know um, about Spain? Let, let's start with his game. You, you've been able to break it down. You've got a video over at NBADraftJunkies.com that people can go over to and and uh, and check out right now. What is it about his game that you like, and then what are you concerned about? So I like the, the rawness of his game, and usually that's a, a red flag or concern, but it, it's weird because he has like this I don't know, the best way to describe it is if there's a way that you can say someone is raw and polished at the same time, that is so sad. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense. So on one hand, you can see that he's very raw in his game, but at the same time, you can see that he's a lot further advanced than you would expect someone who's only started playing for five years. He has good touch around the rim. I, mean, I think early in his career, his defense is going to be what, what earns him minutes. But one of the things I like about him, and I just watched um, a game a few days ago. I don't think he had more than six points. But from the way he transitions from defense to offense is one of the best I've seen. I mean, with his speed, he can alter a shot at the rim and end up being the first man back down on offense. And... I mean, I guess you can say it's part of his rawness. It looks like a coach told him, look, if you go out here, you block shots, and you run the floor as hard as you can, you can earn minutes. And it seems like he has not forgot that because he literally sprints every possession down the floor. So I like the just, again, the the rawness and the, just how, how overall how he plays. I mean, he's he's playing hard, and, I mean, it looks like he still doesn't know exactly what he's doing all the time. But what he does know how to do is block shots and run the floor hard. And then he does show some flashes of having a soft touch. Yeah, you know, I talked to one of his teammates uh, last season who just was absolutely in love with him in part for just exactly what you said. Just goes hard every minute, uh, is it plays with an energy and just sort of a passion for the game, work ethic off the charts. And defensively, he he looks like he could be an all NBA defender someday in yep. the NBA with this combination of length, size, uh, timing. Speed. Yeah, uh, you know it's 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 rare. This is a guy who maybe isn't the the most explosive athlete that you could think of at that size, but is freaky freakishly good as far as speed and sort of lateral quickness goes um, for a player his size. That seems to be really clear. Um, what he's going to be able to bring and why he was earning minutes as even as a 16-year-old and yeah. as a 17-year-old uh, in Spain. The offense seems to be the the question mark about 
it's it's developing. He's mm-hmm. starting to show a little bit of a face the basket game. Like you said, he's got a good touch around the rim. He certainly is an excellent excellent finisher. He's great in transition. The way that he sprints the floor. What is it that you want to see him develop this year in his game uh, to make him worthy of a number one pick in the draft? Well, if he can again, um, you know, just be good at finishing pick and rolls. I noticed like. You know, when he finishes as the role, man, he has like this weird shot where sometimes like his arms are extended out, and but it shows his touch. It's it's uh, that's pretty unique. I don't know if he'll be able to show it this year, but let's say he does develop a face up game. and He's consistent with his speed and his first step. I think he could be really dangerous as a guy that, you know, like if he's able to knock down face up shots and can attack closeouts. And if he ever extends his range, I mean, I think that with his first step and he, he could be like a, you know, a, a pretty decent threat on attacking the rim off straight line drives. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I think that because he's, like you said, only been playing the game for five years, sometimes this is where we see major improvement in prospects as well from year to year, because that they have more to their game. And based off of everything that I've heard people talking about him, his work ethic, his intelligence, his humility, his competitiveness, and his drive, there's there's a really good chance that we're going to be able to see that, that continued growth uh, in his game right now. I think, as you pointed out, playing behind Michael Eric could end up hurting his minutes and opportunities there. Uh, but this is Europe. And you shouldn't read into that, and I don't think scouts are necessarily going to read into that, the same thing that they would read into it if he was on Gonzaga right now, where we know he would start, or in yeah. Memphis, where we know he would start um, you know, right now, or Duke, where we know he would start and get big-time minutes. And, and frankly, given what he's done in Spain, would be the most dominant or one of the most dominant college basketball players in the country next uh, next year if he was there. And so let's let's do a thought comparison for a minute. Let's say Chet Holmgren, uh, who I think is a more skilled offensive player right. uh, than Zosa, also is an excellent rim protector, but doesn't quite have that same level of, you know, maybe strength and speed that Zosa does. Does he I get think the same? Strength wise, they're about the same. And they're both, they can both kind of probably do push ups under a doorstep. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think that that Holmgren gets any more minutes in Europe than Zosa does if he's over there? The reason I'd say yes is simply because, based off the roster now, I think with Eric and Sosa, neither one of those guys really space the floor and they need the ball in the same spots which is not uncommon in Europe. You know, in the NBA, you don't really see two guys that like the ball in the same spots anymore. You usually have one rim roller and a floor spacer. So I think because of his ability, Holmgren's ability to shoot the ball, I think that he probably could get more minutes just from a fit perspective. Chet is an interesting prospect because he looks like about as skinny as you possibly could be. It's almost, uh, you know, it, it... it's uh, almost Poku-esque uh, yeah. in, in, in sort of his body right now. But one of the most skilled seven-footers uh, that I've seen come into the game for a while. Yeah. And though he's thin, he's kind of got I – don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like 
you know, Kevin Garnett was also really skinny as well and never really filled out that much his entire career, but he was wiry strong. Yeah. Um, you, you know, no one would ever sort of say with Kevin Garnett, he was weak or was going to get pushed around. And there's some of that to Chet's game as well, right? That there's that while he's, he's thin, there's, there's a certain wiry strength to the way and toughness to the way that he plays the game uh, that shocks you when you just kind of come in and see him and his frame at first. Yeah. I mean, I think the key word is, is toughness. Like he plays, you know, the word I like to use in my scouting reports is skinny tough. Like he's not afraid to throw his, his skinny frame around or <clears throat> even initiate contact. And so, um, He's not someone that you can say is, is soft, and I think sometimes that that plays a role because he's he's aggressive, and so yeah, he may not be the strongest guy, but sometimes mental toughness and mental strength can can be as equally as, as good as you know natural strength. So you've got it sounds to me like you've got Holmgren right now ahead of Zosa on your board. Uh, in part because he brings an offensive game, uh, and and certainly he, you know, uh, Holmgren's an excellent rim protector um, as well. What about uh, Paolo Banchero, who is going to play at Duke next year? Now, here from a physical standpoint, we've got a tremendous difference because uh, Banchero looks like he has two tree trunks for legs. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he's a 28 year old NBA veteran who's been on a weight regiment for a really long time. He's not an explosive athlete. Uh, but a very, very skilled big man that can do just about anything on the floor right now. How do you see him projecting to the NBA? Very interesting because he's definitely skilled. I like him as a passer. I think that's what kind of stood out to me the most is his ability to um, just kind of be a hub as a passer. The lack of athleticism stood out to me, though. He's not an explosive athlete by any means. Um, there were times where I thought like he tried to attack off the bounce and he didn't have the speed to necessarily blow by the guy, but he didn't have that pop to, to finish at the rim. And it led to him picking up his dribble a lot. And he was able to make passes or, you know, on the AU on the high school level, if that did happen to him, he was still strong enough to bully his way through. So I'm curious to see how he plays against guys that are stronger. I mean, he's still going to be one of the strongest guys and most physical specimens in, in college basketball. But um, I think it's going to be a little, it's going to be a difference in, um, you know, just as far as overall strength. And he may not be able to bully guys as much. But it, it's weird to me because I, I can't think of a time, and I could be wrong here, where we had a guy that was projecting as the number one pick. But the main knock on him was he did not have – close to ideal athleticism. Yeah, I mean, the last the last guy that we could probably talk about there was Luka Doncic uh, as a guy who was touted as a potential number one pick in the draft that teams had, you know, concerns about, you know, his, his athleticism, how it especially would translate on the defensive end. They're different players. They play different positions, you know, on the floor for teams, but he's sort of the last guy. And in, in Luka's case, it sort of worked out fine. It, it, looked, yeah. it worked out that his lack of athleticism wasn't going to be a major issue in the NBA, um, but they do play different positions. And I have had multiple scouts worry too, that just given his frame and his body at his age, he might continue to get heavier. Uh, yeah. That is those legs and get thicker. It impairs that lateral quickness and what have you. And that this may be a case 
sort of like Jaleel Okafor, where you have a really, really skilled player that just isn't going to have the pop or athleticism to be able to thrive in the modern NBA. Uh, and again, they're, they're different players, but it's, it, it is something that I, I think teams are watching carefully because at high school, you can dominate based off of that physicality. And even in college, to a certain extent, you know, Stanley Johnson sort of comes to mind as well as, you know, Shabazz someone who just, yeah, who could just dominate based off of the fact that they're physically stronger and more mature than other players. Now, I, I think the one thing that Bonchero has going for him is he's quite skilled. Uh, yeah. And like, as you said, an excellent passer seems to have an excellent feel for the game. And that may allow him to compensate. You know, we, look, we had an MVP in the NBA this year um, that it that a lack not only lacks elite athleticism, doesn't even really come close to even yeah, regular NBA athleticism and was still uh, the MVP of the league. So it, it's possible to get it done, but it's certainly a, a, a potential knock against him. What about Jalen Duran? I mean, this is also strange, right, Raphael? Because, you know, we're talking about a league that's wing obsessed and and combo guard obsessed. And the and the top three guys, uh, I, I think that or the top four guys that everybody's sort of talking about in this draft are all bigs uh, right, right now. Uh, Jalen Duran reclassifies this year uh, going to Memphis. What do you see in his game and how does he stack up against those other bigs? Well, similar to Banchero, maybe not as skilled, but dominated high school and AU just off of pure strength and size. I mean, you know, how you describe Banchero, I can even make a case and say that Duran is even bigger and stronger. I mean, he looks like he's really been playing 10 years with the NBA strength and conditioning program. And it's crazy that this is just natural strength. Um, I don't think he's as skilled as the guys mentioned before. I mean, he's shown some flashes, but I think he's going to be an effective player just off of his energy, his size, and his um, his athleticism. It's weird because, like you said, I mean, you know, there were rumors that the big man was 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 dead. You know, they were extinct, and now we're looking at a draft where we could see four of the top five players or then their best position could be at the five spot. But I think um, he's the least skilled of, of, of them all. And so I wonder like, what skill set does he bring to the table? And then the area that concerned me the most is I have it in my notes here. And I mean, I, you know, it's probably, I mean, his team won, but he only shot 33% on post-ups in the EYBL. Not saying that he's gonna get post-ups in the NBA, but you figure with his size and his strength and a seven five wingspan, he should at least have be able to at least dominate on post touches against his age group, and that's something that I, I didn't really see. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting because it's absolutely a knock on one end, but then on the other end, realistically in the NBA, is he ever really going to get these sort of touches anyway? And so maybe yeah. you know maybe this is an example of maybe it's good that that he's he's learning at, you know how to score in other ways and face the basket athletically. He does seem to be ahead of uh, Bonchero uh, as far as th that's going to be where he's going to hang his hat uh, is that he's a more fluid athlete uh, than Bonchero is, more explosive athlete than Bonchero. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that he's going to be able to impact games without really getting touches. I mean, just when I watched his summer film, a lot of times it was just somebody would shoot. He's carving out space, getting offensive rebounds activity and energy 
But I wonder, even though the size is a little different, I wonder if he ends up in the same predicament as Isaiah Stewart from two years ago. You know, two years ago, Isaiah Stewart was considered a top 10 pick, dominated off of just pure energy and, and strength. And then for whatever reasons, he didn't have the, the, the great season at Washington. It seemed like he fell on a lot of draft boards, but then ended up being selected higher than most people thought. And he had a pretty good rookie year. So I wonder, is there going to be some similarities there? The other interesting thing about uh, Duran is that he's a year younger than these other guys. Uh, he yep. should be actually playing as a high school senior this year, yep. which will even be crazier when you see him and see his body and everything else, like what he would be doing to the high school competition at uh, the next level. I think it's a, a good move. And we're going to talk about Jaden Hardy uh, for a minute. And Jaden Hardy is a guy who out of the G league is, you know, someone who I think is going to be, the player that is most likely going to be uh, as, as a guard uh, considered as one of the top picks in the draft. And so, you know, it seems like Hardy is the guy when we're talking about a guy that's playing a more traditional position that NBA teams are, are hungry for right now uh, as a combo guard in the G League. Uh, he's going to have to fill big shoes from Jalen Green's shoes there at the G League Ignite team this year. What do you think about Jaden Hardy and his chances of, of going number one? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, you're the first person that I've seen that really has mentioned him as a possible number one pick. I've mostly seen, you know, the, the guys that we mentioned ahead. Um, I mean, he has an outside chance. I mean, the G League is going to be a good uh, test for him. He's someone that the same concerns I had about Jalen Green, I have about him, except, you know, Jalen Green, we knew that he was, you know, an elite athlete, but the concerns I had about Jalen Green coming into last season was how does he play with others? Because I know on Team USA, the under-19 team a couple years ago, he came off the bench, but he was playing behind Kay Cunningham and um, Tyrese Halliburton. But going to those games, I thought that he played best in the second unit where everything revolved around him. So my concern was when he goes to the G League, I mean, as far as like his decision-making, his passing, Yada, 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 which he ended up having a good year. So those are some of my concerns with Hardy. He is, I mean, I you can even make a case and say he's more of a gunner <laughs> than, than Jalen Green. I mean, he's his shot selection is very similar to Cam Thomas, in my opinion. A lot mm. of deep, deep long-range threes. And so I had mentioned on one of my podcasts is that is it because of his ability that they think that he can play the point? Is that why he's such a higher regarded prospect than Cam Thomas was at the same stage? Because to me, they're similar. I mean, I don't, I don't even think the size difference is that much. Yeah, I, I would, I would say the one thing if I were to, if I were to take something in Hardy's favor, that at least from my scouting of him and talking to scouts is that they think there's more potential for him to transition into a, a, a guard that can play both the point and, and the yeah. two than there certainly was uh, with Jalen green, where I, I think at this point we just sort of know what he is and, and that's what he's going to be that Hardy has that potential uh, to be a primary ball handler uh, at the next level. And that, that he doesn't have the pop that Jalen green has. He's not going to jump out of the gym the same way. He's not a bad athlete, but he's just not that 
that elite athlete that Jalen Green was. But if he can hone that skill, and I think that that's going to be what scouts are going to be looking at at the G League next year, where he can play some as the primary ball handler on a team uh, and be a better distributor and not just a pure scorer, that's his path, in my opinion, to to making the argument that that he could be the number one pick. And 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 look, frankly, just based off of where the scouting is right now, he probably shouldn't necessarily be in the mix with some of those guys. But again. You're looking at the teams that are in the draft right now that are going to be in the lottery and how many of these guys are going to be wanting to select a five or, a, you know, a four at the next level. And, and just for a lot of these teams as well, they just feel like that position, you go get a free agent at, at that position or you draft lower in the draft for that position just because of the value at the next level. So it's going to be a really interesting test of that theory uh, next year. Uh, we probably should say one last thing before we 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 go to break, which is that none of these guys are the best young player uh, in the world right now. <laughs> um, right now, uh, as much as we're talking about all of these guys right now, I think that you and I both would say that someone who is not going to be eligible for the 2022 NBA draft because of their birthday uh, that they won't turn. Uh, they won't turn, unfortunately, 19 years old by the end of the 2022 year, uh, should be and would be the number one pick in the draft this year if they were eligible for the draft. Is, is that right, Rafael? Oh, yeah. Talking about Victor Wimbayama. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and you've done a recent video on him as well. Yeah. He'd be number one, right? Just hands down, number one pick in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't wait to see him and Chet match up. And uh, even though Team USA won, it was because of when Miyama got us from foul trouble. I thought he outplayed Chet. Chet ended up winning MVP and had a great tournament. But when Miyama's just on a different level, I mean, they're both like super, super skinny. They're both skilled. I think Chet is a better shooter, which he shot a lot better. But when Miyama's just on a different level defensively. And Chet is a very, very good defender. Wimbenyama, just his ability to switch out on guards and block shots from behind. And, I mean, he just had a, a tremendous impact. And, yeah, man, unfortunately, he's for him, he's a, he, he's too young. So some could say that Amani Bates could also be in that, in that same discussion as someone that could be in the mention for a number one pick in this draft if he were eligible which he's not because of the same thing because of his age. But, yeah, I mean, Wimbayam, I think, is the best international prospect since Luka. And I've even heard some people say they think he's the best NBA prospect since Anthony Davis. And, I mean, it's a lot to live up to. I, I'll be following him in, in France and see how he does in the EuroLeague because he's he may even be skinnier than Chet Holmgren. He's really, really skinny. And I mean, the EuroLeague is definitely a more physical league than, than, I mean, you can say it's more physical than the NBA. So I'm, I'm really going to be following his development this season. I'm excited about him as well. He's a unicorn of a player and just given his size, his incredible length uh, and, and the skill set that I, I think what gets NBA scouts excited is the defense is obvious and what, what he could become. Uh, right, like a perennial defensive player of the year uh, type candidate. But there's also enough there offensively to intrigue you that he could be an incredibly well-rounded player uh, mm -hmm. and 
and, and have a, a Giannis-like impact um, at the next level just in being, you know, they call him the Greek freak, just another freaky player that really, really, def- there, isn't, there isn't really another player that you can really point to and say he's like this guy. Uh, yeah. at the next level. So he can kind of redefine the position in a certain way. Well, look, uh, let's let's talk uh, quickly about our sponsors, one of which is DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Comparable device required. Content varies by package. And of course, Raphael, it wouldn't be an NBA Big Board podcast if we didn't talk about Built Bar. <laughs> Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. When you talk to Built Bar fan, uh, like Raphael and I are, uh, we definitely are passionate about our faves. I'm always the big coconut guy. That's uh, that's my favorite. Uh, I remember uh, it was birthday cake was yes. yours for a while right now. Birthday cake isn't offered. So I'm going to give you an option here. You've got coconut, cherry, barcia. Raspberry mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, uh, strawberry orange cookies and creams, German chocolate. What's your what's your favorite, Raphael? Right now, I've been eating a lot of the salted caramel. That's salted that's caramel. what I've been. Yeah, awesome. I still have some left from from the live draft show. I'm down to probably like my last five, but that's that's yeah, what I've been yeah. eating. Guy, guy took some boxes uh, home with him. Uh, they're really awesome. And you know, here's the thing. Not only do they taste great, they taste like a candy bar. They're chewy, they're moist, uh, they're delicious, but they're also healthy. Most flavors have 17, 18 grams of protein. Uh, calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs. Order today and get your grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like. Bill Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. It's cool. Uh, go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. All right, I'm back with Raphael Barlow. NBADraftJunkies.com is where you can go to see all of his video scouting reports. He's also host of Locked On NBA Draft. I'm Chad Ford. You can find my stuff over at NBABigBoard.com, where I just did an article on the top seven international prospects in the 2022 NBA Draft. Lots of NBA stuff over there as well, including thinking about which teams are most likely uh, to land the number one pick in the 2022. Will it be Orlando? Will it be the Oklahoma City Thunder, Detroit Pistons, Cleveland Cavaliers? You can go over there and check out the odds for each of those teams of landing the number one pick. I want to get back and and now talk about uh, two other interesting international uh, candidates, uh, Raphael, both of whom are going to be playing uh, in uh, in a in a United States this year, Dyson Daniels, uh, mm-hmm. who might be arguably Australia's best international candidate right now, 
deciding not to do the Josh Giddy thing or not to do what a number of other American and international prospects do and play over in the NBL uh, in Australia, but instead come over to the G League uh, Ignite uh, team this year. What do you think about Dyson Daniels and where do you think he ultimately lands uh, when we get to the NBA draft uh, later this year? That's a, that's a good question as far as where I think he lands because I, I have some concerns. I, I see that, I mean, he, have, he has good size and strength and passing instincts. I mean, he fills up the stat sheet. and he, I mean, he's really unselfish. He's definitely someone whose game fits the modern NBA, but I'm still trying to decide, like, what is the skill set that he hangs his hat on? Like, we've seen quite a few guys that were versatile that did a little bit of everything, but they struggled finding, like, this exact skill set. And then uh, he's another guy that I felt like, did not have like ideal athleticism. Like I didn't see like really good, like vertical pop. Um, I think he's an inconsistent shooter at, at this stage in his, at his career. And uh, even like little things, like I didn't see him get to the free throw line a lot at the under, um, under 18s. Again, I like, again, his size. I think maybe he could have a role as a, you know, like a, a three and D secondary ball handler. But I'm still looking for the one skill set outside of being versatile, which I mean, you can say that's a skill set, but the one skill set that he could hang his hat on that would make everything else kind of stand out. Yeah, it's interesting. He played for Team Australia in under 19 World Cups uh, this year, averaging 14 points a game, five rebounds a game, four assists a game, two steals a game. You can see that all around uh, game that Rafael's talking about there. Probably had his best game actually against Team USA. Uh, where he had 18 points, six assists, grabbed four steals in that game, but just shot one for six uh, from three. And I think this is interesting because on one hand, as you point out, he fits this prototypical versatile wing that can pass the basketball, can defend multiple positions, um, right? There's, there's the defensive edge to his game there. It's tough to call him a three and D guy yet when his three-point shot isn't there yet. So there's yeah. more D than three right now to his game. Uh, and he can be a bit turnover prone as well. Uh, but to me, he's an interesting prospect that, again, in a wing obsessed league uh, right now, uh, there's there's some other wings that are, are certainly I can think are going to go off the board before him. Uh, but he's also playing in this G League environment now where if he thrives in that that environment, that's going to be a big leg up for him. And just looking at the young players on this G League roster, uh, G League Ignite roster this year, he's probably, you know, you can make the argument, maybe it's Michael Foster, but either him or Michael Foster, are probably this, the, the second best young player on this roster. So they're going to get significant minutes and a significant chance uh, to shine there. Yeah, um, I'm really interested to see how he plays. Cause I said like maybe three and D. And of course, you know, like you said, the three isn't there, but is he good enough to be like a primary ball handler for a team? right now so that's why I'm, I'm curious to see his role um you know Dacian Nix is someone who was a, a big guard that played in the the G League last year and it really didn't help his stock I mean you can make a case and say he would have been in a much better situation if he had went to UCLA and I think Daniels may just based off of what my opinion is right now I think that he probably would have it, it, I think his game is more so suited for like college basketball 
in a sense, and maybe even over there. But I think going to the G League is a a big gamble and a big jump that could actually hurt his draft stock. Yeah, it's really interesting uh, that you could also make the argument he should have just stayed in Australia in a league that already is getting a ton of, of scouting right now, but he's not going to play with, with the same level of NBA athletes mm-hmm. uh, that, that's over there, which maybe helps him show show a little bit. Uh, Usmani Dang uh, goes the opposite direction. He leaves France and goes over to the New Zealand Breakers. Is it actually going to be playing in that uh, Australian league um, right now? This is a guy that scouts are very, very intrigued with on his upside, again, a 6'9 athletic wing who can play multiple positions, sometimes gets compared to even like a young Paul George. Uh, but the mm-hmm. concern over there is that he may have stepped up too high into the level of competition, given his size, his, his strength right now. And, you know, the question for him is, is he going to get a featured role uh, right now uh, yeah. for the New Zealand Breakers, uh, especially when you look at this team right now? And, and look at who's probably going to be handling the ball uh, for this team. Is he going to be a guy, uh, especially when you think about, okay, Peyton Siva's on this team, is going to be uh, you know, the ball hanger, Hugo, uh, Hugo Besson, who we'll talk about in a little bit, is going to be on this team as well. Because he seems to me, when I'm watching him play, that his primary value is when the ball's in his hands and he's creating from the wing. That seems to be when he's the most intriguing prospect to me, and I'm just not sure he's going to be able to get that done uh, for the Breakers this year. Yeah, I mean, I really think it could be RJ Hampton all over again. Mm-hmm. RJ was on the same team in New Zealand, and um, they had a couple guys that had good careers. Um, I think Sec Henry from Nebraska was on that team, and they had another ball handler. So RJ, I mean, as a guard, who his his biggest, I guess his biggest area for improvement was his shooting, had to play a lot of off the ball, and RJ really only had opportunities to you know, showcase his skill set in transition. Very rarely was he able to play in pick and rolls, and it affected his draft stock tremendously to the point where I even had his dad on my podcast, and his dad was saying up until he got selected on draft night, he felt like, man, we really made the wrong decision. And so with uh, Jang, I think it could be a very similar situation because, um, like you said, he's best with the ball in his hands, He's not a guy that is a, a great catch and shoot outside shooter right now. And like you said, his most intrigue is, you know, with his size and ball handling and creativity, that's what people are going to want to see. And I mean, he has a teammate that's just a fellow Frenchman who we, we mentioned, Besson, who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And is I, I expect that he's going to have the better numbers. I think he's going to look better in that situation right. than, than Jang. And so, um, I mean, Jang is someone that I think he's could be projected top 10 right now, and I could easily see him sliding simply because of lack of opportunities to showcase his full skill set. Yeah, it's an interesting decision, uh, right, to leave Europe, um, come over there, um, do this. And like you said, uh, whether he gets the opportunity to shine in the way that he needs to shine uh, is is a question mark, and, and but he's incredibly skilled. He's he's a really really intriguing prospect to watch. He's also 6'9", 185 pounds. So yet another player that just his body is also really underdeveloped right now, and that can also be a challenge in an, in, a, in a in a pretty physical uh, Australian league as well. Let's talk about another guy uh, from the Dominican Republic. Um, played at Gran Canario in Spain uh, on their B team. 
A lot of teams really liked him, uh, looked really good at basketball without borders is going to be the first test case for the new overtime elite uh, league right now. Gene Montero, uh, one of the more intriguing scoring guards uh, in this draft because he really knows how to how to score the basketball. Uh, maybe stuck a little bit between the one and the two. Uh, very tough defender right now, but a fun player to watch. If nothing else, like he he can be an absolutely electric player to to watch with the balls uh, with the ball in his hands. Uh, what do you think about Montero and his NBA draft stock? I love his game. My first time seeing him was at Basketball Without Borders um, in Chicago. So that was 2020. And I thought he was the best player at that camp. He didn't win MVP. I think Ariel Hupporty won MVP. But this was um, a camp where Josh Giddy was at the camp. Um, uh, Wuhan Bagarin, who, who was drafted by Boston, was also at this camp. There's someone else that was at this camp that, that slips my mind. But I thought he was the best player, the most impressive. And of course, you know, sometimes those camps are uh, more suited for guards to, to shine and look good. But I mean, he doesn't pass the eye test. And I mean, you could imagine how he looked almost two years ago. He was a skinny guard, but just very creative with the ball in his hands, finds ways to put the ball in the basket, has great pace. I mean, he's one of my favorite prospects to watch. And I'm really going to be looking forward to seeing him because I mean, I think everybody is intrigued by this overtime elite and, and just trying to, I don't think at least speaking for myself, but I don't think a lot of people fully understand like who they're going to be playing and what's the whole structure. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, for him being the face and uh, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he does. It could be a situation where I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up like ridiculous 25 points per game numbers in this setting, because that's what his game is suited for. And I feel like this league is going to be have more of an entertainment value to it than development, maybe a little bit of both. But I think in order for them to continue to uh, want to steal prospects from college and, and Australia in the G League, they're going to have to do something a little bit different. So I think this league is going to be really fast paced and entertaining. And I could see him putting up ridiculous numbers there. I could as well. And I, I think the hardest thing right now is to be able to gauge what's going on with the overtime elite. Like in, in the G League, I, I think there was some trepidation from scouts in the beginning, but they knew the sort of level of competition. They knew what the G League was. You knew most of those players were former college stars, guys that maybe have gotten some run in the NBA, second round picks that are getting some time down there. And so you kind of understood the level of competition with the overtime elite. It's 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 just a blank slate right now. They do have some real talent coming in, though most of that talent is more projected towards the 2023 uh, NBA draft than it is towards the 2022 NBA draft right now. I, I do think for Montero, it's probably smart in that he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the face of that league probably yeah. this year. He's going to put up video game type numbers. How scouts decide that, yeah. what that means uh, is going to be a question, uh, I, I think, for him. But I, I don't think there's any question in my mind that if he was in college basketball right now, he still could be one of the most dynamic scorers in college basketball next year uh, if he was coming in as a freshman right now. I, and I think the key thing for him, two things. One, he's more of a two-guard than a one right now, but he's only 6'2", 180. Uh, it's going to help the stock a lot if he can project at, at least as a combo guard 
at the next level. So he can, can he show the ability to get other people involved? And then he needs to hit the deep ball with more consistency. Shot about 30% from three last season um, in Spain. Needs to, needs to up that number uh, considerably if he's going to crack the lottery. But certainly one of the more intriguing players to watch. Uh, and again, a guy that... Um, you know, like Cam Thomas can just really, you know, put the put the ball in the basket, just has a knack for doing it. Raphael, when we get back, we'll talk about some of the other top international prospects, guys that could be first rounders uh, in this year's draft. Uh, but before we do so, I want to talk again about our sponsor, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, which is the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money while using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on. And they're how did you hear about us box? They know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, I'm back with Rafael Barlow. He is the host of NBA Locked On Draft. Locked On the NBA Draft, sorry, and the Locked On Podcast Network. Also, NBADraftJunkies.com, where you can see all the cool videos that he's making right now. Already got started with a number of these international prospects right now. And so as we're talking about some of these names right now, like Zosa, the um, Dang, uh, and you want to go see their game, head over to NBA Draft Junkies or go check their YouTube channel out and you can already see Raphael's breakdown of some of those players right now. And I'm going to give another name uh, right now that you just recently broke down uh, who is interesting to me and one of the more polarizing prospects for the international prospects right now. So I I think some of the guys that we've talked about, Jang, uh, uh, Gene Montero, uh, uh, certainly Zosa, pretty unanimous that that these guys are uh, you know potential lottery picks in Zosa's case a, you know potential top 5 pick Nikola Jovic uh, not to be confused Meg- with Jokic <laughs> not to be confused with Jokic and if you see the two of them you won't confuse them uh they 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 definitely look like different players but their but their names are just literally one letter off uh <laughs> from Serbia right now had some NBA scouts Project him as a top 10 pick. Others late first round uh, right now. Was the third leading scorer for FIBA under 19 tournaments this year. 19 points a game, eight rebounds a game, a couple assists a game, a couple of blocks a game. Shot 36% from three. Uh, had good numbers uh, for Mega Basket last year. Uh, as a 17-year-old, uh, though he didn't necessarily shoot the ball well, this is a very skilled Another con- potential like playmaker for uh, type player at the next level, but scouts seem to be really split on what his NBA prospects are. You just did a video uh, over at NBADraftJunkies.com uh, on him right now that you can go check out. What did you think about 
his NBA prospects as a player? You know, he does a little bit of everything. Um, what position? I mean, I guess you can say he's a four, playmaking four. Um, it, it's tough. Like, I could see how scouts can be divided because, on one hand, I can see how you can say, all right, this guy put up the numbers, he filled up the stat sheet, he's tough, he can post up smaller players, he can make plays out of, you know, from the elbows. He can pass, he rebounds, and then, you know, there's the whole athleticism thing. I, I think he's he's not a bad athlete, but he's one of these guys where he looks athletic if he has a runway. It's it's like he's not a guy that's going to have, like, the, the quick twitch, um, explosive vertical pop. But then the part that I thought was really interesting about his game is and you usually don't see this with a lot of international prospects because they play such a team-centric game. He does have a lot of isolation one-on-one -on -one to his game. And it looks like, and I had mentioned this in the video that I did, that he watches Jason Tatum film. Like, it seemed like if he had a smaller man on him, he got the ball at the, you know, in the short corners or, or the elbow, and he just said, forget the offense, I'm going to isolate, I'm going to go one-on-one, -on -one. and a lot of tough, contested fadeaways and, you know, times where the ball didn't move, which I'm not used to seeing that from a lot of European prospects. And so on one hand, you can say, like, he, you know, he does have the, the skill set to play this well-rounded team game, but also he does have the mentality of being a scorer and wanting to take over games. So, um I like that a lot, but as far as like his shooting consistency, I think if he were a better shooter, then I think it wouldn't be, uh, I mean, I don't think scouts would be as divisive on him. He's a more so of a shot maker than shooter. And so I think that could be the reason why there's such a big divide on this game. I think the shot is definitely one thing. I, I'm not sure that they know yet that it's broken. Uh, but it, but he's not an elite shooter coming into this. And defensive effort seems to be another thing that uh, scouts get a little bit more frustrated uh, with him about. And, and, you know, maybe some of that's just attributed to that lack of like explosive athleticism, what have you. He certainly is tough. Interesting to me because given the team that he's on and given what he did last year as a 17-year-old, 17 points a game, eight rebounds a game, three assists a game, a block a game, as a 17-year-old, I think scouts are expecting a big year uh, this year for him. Is he going to get some of the, you know, Shen Goon shine at the <laughs> end? Uh, you know, where people were debating Shen Goon's not an NBA athlete. I'm not really, you know, was shooting 13% from three at the time, but yet was putting up huge numbers in Turkey. Uh, ends up winning the MVP of that league that year. Uh, could Jovic do something like that and then really raise the debate because the analytics folks start getting into the mix as well and saying, look at his age um, and the way he fills up a stat sheet right now, you can't ignore it. I think that's going to be the interesting question for him. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the biggest difference is I think the Turkish league is a lot stronger than the Adriatic league. Right. So that could be the, the big difference if the numbers are similar. And also, um, last year he shared, if I'm not mistaken, he shared responsibilities with um, oh, the names close my mind right now. Kid from Gonzaga. Um, I think the Sixers drafted him. I think he's playing for Ephesus this year. What's, what's the big name? The Serbian from Gonzaga that left. Um, 
how many was in the draft and I, yeah I, i'm spacing it as well uh it's all right yeah. yeah so they shared the responsibilities and he still put up put up pretty big numbers so he could definitely see a huge jump in his numbers like i i would not be surprised if the numbers jumped to about 22 23 9 and, and 4 so um that, that's a good point that i never thought of but uh, it, I think hey, it's still all going to depend on how well he shoots the ball. Yeah, he's going to put some pressure uh, for sure on teams. And I think you're right. The, the the jump shot may end up being the swing skill that and it could be a pretty big swing between a guy that gets, you know, starts to get mentions in the top 10 or a guy that, you know, we're, we're talking about in the 20s uh, instead. Let's talk about a guy who had some first round buzz last year. Apparently not enough. He ends up pulling out of the draft. Rocco Perkison, uh, who played for Sabona last year, he's back. He was one of the youngest players in the draft uh, last year, was barely going to be uh, eight, uh, 19 years old uh, at, at the start of the draft, still would be uh, one of the youngest players in this year's draft. His projected age is 19.6 on draft night, which makes him younger than Chet Holmgren, uh, uh, younger than Paolo Bonchero, yeah, uh, younger than uh, Jaden Hardy, uh, for example. Uh, so he's still a young, young prospect. Had a pretty good season uh, for Sabona last year. What do you expect for him this season as an NBA prospect? Yeah, I think he'll make the the jump. I'm surprised that he decided to come back. I thought he definitely could have been selected in the late first round. You know, you, you figure teams like the Thunder and, and the Rockets, you figure like one of those teams may have taken a shot on him because, you know, I mean, they're in position with all their draft picks to, to gamble on, on young talent. But yeah, I mean, I think he can make a jump this year. Um, another one of these super skilled European, European fours just does a little bit of, of everything. Um, that similar to, to Jovic, I think the shooting is going to be the, the, I mean, I guess determine his draft stock. I think he's a, a decent shooter, but if he can become a more consistent shooter, and I think the difference between him and Jovic is I think Jovic's numbers, his shooting numbers aren't that great from three because of shot selection. He does take a lot of tough shots. While, um, you know, when I watched Rocco's film last year, it seemed like early in the season, teams were just leaving him wide open at the top of the key. He had a little bit of success knocking down jumpers, but if he can become a, you know, a, a more consistent shooter from, from three, then I think is really going to help his draft stop. If you're hearing those roosters in the background, uh, welcome to Hawaii, uh, where we have a bunch of wild roosters. We're recording early in the morning. This is how they how we get uh, woken up every morning uh, <laughs> as well. And so hearing that background going, what is going on? Is uh, Chad or Raphael in a wildlife preserve right now? The answer is is sort of. Um, so how do, you, how do you deal with like late nights when you're up watching film or, or you're working and then you got the roosters <laughs> waking well, the, you up the, the roosters it's a big complaint in hawaii actually uh with people waking up in the morning you know, they start at like 4 30 in the morning uh, here. Uh, and yeah. yeah it's 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 tough for folks um i we tune them out for the most part because it's just been so long or what have you but uh anytime we have people come visit man the first day they're coming down like what's up with those roosters let's go kill them all <laughs> uh, it's impossible. They're wild. They're everywhere. Let's talk about uh, another guy, Tristan uh, Vuksevich. I 
maybe said that wrong. Um, from playing at Real Madrid this year via Serbia, uh, another guy who got a few minutes for Real Madrid last year mm-hmm. as a 17-year-old. And it's the first tell, right? When you're talking about these high-level European clubs, there's no real incentive for them to develop these young players the way that there is in the NBA. They know they're going to lose them to the NBA anyway. And so when when they're playing, it's typically because there is real talent there and they, they think that they can help a, a squad right now. Um, and so he's going to be another guy who's going to get uh, a likely expanded role on a EuroLeague team this year as an 18-year-old. Uh, what do you think about his game? I like him. Uh, the first thing that I was trying to figure out when I was watching film with him is he just has such a unique background as far as like um, what country to represent. He's playing in Spain. He was born in Italy, but I think he's like Serbian and Swedish with also like a Greek passport or, or something like that. It's like a combination of like four different countries there. So I thought that was was pretty unique. I think his dad is a professional basketball player, which is part of the reason why he's so well-traveled at an early age. But yeah, like you said, I mean, if you see a guy getting minutes for Real Madrid or FC Barcelona, or even some of the other teams in Spain, that means they've earned their minutes. It's not a developmental situation. So um, with Vuk, uh, is it Vukcevic? Vukcevic? <laughs> I'll, I'll just say Tristan. Uh, he's someone that I think could have first round potential. Um, He's 6'11". I think he moves really well. That's one of the things that stood out to me, just kind of watching him move around the floor. He's fluid. He's agile. He's coordinated. Um, he, he does have some toughness to his game, which I like. Um, I think that he just seems like your prototypical NBA role player that can come off the bench and he can knock down open shots. He's a good shooter with his feeder set. He moves well off the ball, like as far as cutting be a pick and pop guy he can post up smaller guys so he does have a, a skill set that is valuable to the nba um but again it's, it's the athleticism point he's kind of like a below the rim athlete and then if he's going to be a pick and pop player then he's going to have to be a, a much more i guess efficient or consistent shooter so i mean it's kind of the thing right now for a lot of guys it's either athleticism or, or shooting is going to determine their draft range, and I think he's uh, just you know one of one of these guys that those are the the shooting is the swing scale that is going to determine you know how well he how high he'll get drafted. Let's talk about one last guy. You just did a re- I think this is your most recent video over at NBADraftJunkies.com right now. Hugo Besson, uh, the combo guard from France, another guy who's making the le- leap from the. French B League essentially over to play at the New Zealand Breakers this year. A little bit older prospect uh, will be 21 on draft night. Uh, you really loved him. Yeah. I, mean, I, watched, yeah. I watched that video. You're, you're kind of gushing about this guy. He was in the, by the way, the 2021 NBA draft. Didn't get a lot of buzz. Uh, mm-hmm. Pulled out of the draft. Uh, this year, you think his chances are a lot higher of maybe even being able to crack the first round. Uh, what do you like about his game? I just love, and I could be a sucker to offensive creativity and really confident scores and guys that are just creative off the dribble. And so he, he falls into that category. I'll be honest, I was late on him. Like I, he was not someone that I had a lot of knowledge of coming into last year's draft. And 
um, you know, I, I was hoping, well, I wish I would have had more, you know, just more knowledge about him during the process, but I think he pulled out because he had like a ankle injury, so he wasn't able to to perform at his best during the, the drafts, but he's a, he was an efficient scorer. I mean, he led the second division in, uh, second division French league in scoring, and like I said, he just he put the ball in the basket. Kind of reminds me of Austin Reeves a little bit, and I'm a big Austin Reeves fan. <laughs> so, but you know, you're talking about a guy that's a capable passer and playmaker, um, excels out of pick and roll. I think he's a sneaky athlete. You know, he doesn't pass the eye test for athleticism, but he's, I mean, like I said, sneaky athlete, and he was very efficient at finishing at at the rim, which I mean, sometimes that could be a sign of athleticism or, or craftiness, but I think he has a combination of, of both. And um, I think his age could be a factor. I mean, we're living in this crazy world where if you're 21 years old, it's kind of a knock on you, especially as an international prospect. So on one hand, I think he may get some first round looks, but then on the other hand, I just think because of his age, somehow it's gonna be seen as, oh, you're 21, you're closer to your prime. And even though I think that he's going to have a better year in Australia than his teammate, Usman Jang, I think he's going to like really perform well there. Jang is going to be the higher pick because of his age and, and size and, and, you know, just the upside. But I, I like Besson a lot. All right. Well, look, that's a that's a that's a pretty strong crop of international prospects that could be potential first round uh, draft picks this year. Uh, if all of those guys hit, this will be the best international draft crop that we've had in several years, frankly, just in, in sheer numbers of players that are coming in the league. And certainly as many as three, maybe even four uh, of those prospects could end up being uh, lottery picks uh, in, in this draft, which is which is another thing that would be, make it strong. He's Rafael Barlow. You can check out his stuff at NBADraftJunkies.com. Go check out some of those videos uh, that we just talked about right now if you want to see uh, those scouting breakdowns. You can also listen to him twice a week over on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. I'm Chad Ford, and you can follow my stuff over at nbabigboard.com where we're doing international stuff. We're doing 2022, or we're looking at rookies in 2020. We're going to go uh, next week and dive into the, uh, the health of teams' young cores uh, in the NBA and look at sort of which of the uh, teams have the best young cores in the NBA. And uh, Raphael, we'd love to have you back at some point uh, later in the season to talk about uh, more draft. Always love having you as a guest on the show. Yeah, anytime. Anytime you want me on, I'm, I'm available. And I, I mean, I just am thankful for the opportunity to be on your show and the platform that you've given me. So thank you. Yeah, great stuff, Raphael. Uh, appreciate everybody watching on YouTube. Make sure that you like this, uh, that you go over and subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, as well. You can even click that little bell button and get alerted whenever we have a new video. Uh, this is Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.